0: Hi, everyone. I am Surupi. I run Luchi and Mutton's Dog Behavior and Nutrition here in Gurgaon in India. Um, and I do private nutrition and behavior consultations uh, with pet parents for their dogs. Um, and this is my podcast. All right. So today, um, I'd actually like to talk a little bit about... Um, a topic that has come up for me multiple times in my nutrition consults with clients. Um, I also recently came across um, some advice that was, uh, you know, shared on the topic um, that I found a little. Problematic, and so I thought that I might as well just talk a little bit about it. Um, and the topic really is on acid reflux in dogs. Um, and so I know that uh, you know, in my own experience of of working as as a canine nutrition uh, consultant, um, I know a couple of different clients who've come up to me at different points in time. Um, you know, claiming that their dogs have acid reflux or acidity um, uh, usually end up throwing yellow bile first thing in the morning. Um, even with, you know, behavior consultations, um, some of the dogs that I do work with um, end up um, with, with this condition. Um, and so I thought it will be helpful to sort of just do a consolidated conversation about this. Um, if you have questions or comments on, on what you're listening into, feel free to, um, you know, drop me a message or an email. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Luchi and Mutton's um, or on Facebook um, at, at Luchi and Mutton's Dog Nutrition and Behavior. You can also access my website, which is www.luchiandmutton's.com or you can drop me an email at surabhi, that's S-U-R-A-B-H-I at muttons.com as well. Alright so let's get right into the topic. Um, I think I wanted to start by I think just sort of clarifying um, you know what acid reflux is and again this is for pet parents who uh, notice some of the symptoms but aren't really sure what this is about. Um, And so acid reflux is really when the contents of the stomach Um, and that could be food or that could be, you know, gastric juice is an acid that has built up over a period of time, go in the wrong direction. Um, And in this particular case, the wrong direction is really uh, that the acids or the food sort of back up or reflux uh, into the esophagus, which is really the food pipe. Um, And so when it you know, when it backs up into the food pipe, um, there is a little bit of a burning sensation, which, you know, in in the human context, we refer to as heartburn. Um, And that's also what causes um, the need to vomit or throw up. Um, And so uh, this reflux, this acid reflux could happen because of several different reasons. Um, One of the more common ones that I find is because... The acid and the gastric juices that are released at the time of, um, you know, meal times, right, and the, the body, or even so much as as the scent of food, they build up in the stomach when it's really empty. Um, and so, what's happening is that the rate at which the acid and the gastric juices are entering the stomach versus the rate of food that's coming in um, are vastly disproportionate. And so, there's a build up. Of this uh, digestive fluid um, and so if uh, you know you or our dogs haven't eaten enough for several hours then this buildup of digestive fluid um, can essentially cause acid reflux. Um, acid reflux could also happen for dogs if they have eaten too much or too soon or very quickly or if they have eaten certain kinds of foods that are not getting digested effectively and efficiently. Um, this could also happen if just the overall digestion process isn't uh, happening correctly and adequately. Um, and so we find that there are several different causes for acid reflux. And, uh, you know, it, unless you're working very closely with um, a vet it can be difficult to diagnose why acid reflux is occurring. Um, And so it is a little bit of a trial method. It's a little bit of an elimination and trial method to identify what could the possible cause be. Um, For some of the dogs that I have worked with, I've found that just making, you know, small shifts across the diet, across lifestyle, across habits, um, really addresses... Um, the issue Um, but in in cases where dogs have a chronic condition um, it's definitely helpful to dig deeper with a vet um, or even a behavior consultant and and I'll come to why I think that that's important Uh, but any any situation where you see that your dog is struggling with something chronic uh, which means that it's happening repeatedly or um, you know some of the recommendations that uh, you have tried um, aren't effective, then I would definitely uh, I would definitely look at, at at trying and and figuring out if there's anything else uh, or an underlying you know condition that's causing uh, the acid reflux really as a symptom. Um, there is another condition called bile reflux, which is really where bile that's the that's the digestive liquid that is produced in the liver backs up or refluxes into the esophagus um along with all of the stomach acids and and so the symptoms for acid reflux as well as bile reflux are quite similar but the treatment options for either of them uh for both of them actually look very different um and uh, you know with with bile reflux Uh, diet and lifestyle recommendations aren't entirely effective. Um, Bile reflux also happens when the liver is extremely inflamed or when there is a chronic liver condition that the dog is struggling with. So in one of the cases that I was consulting, um, the dog had... um, fatty liver condition, which caused a lot of the biology flux. Um, and that made sense, given that the liver values were extremely elevated. Uh, we knew that there was a chronic liver condition. Um, and, uh, you know, we knew that when the g flux episodes were happening, uh, the dog was really struggling um, with, with what, uh, with the condition at that point in time. Um, and again, you know, there was a lot of projectile vomiting, etc. So You'll see that there, there are similarities, but the treatment to each will look very, very different. Um, and so I think, again, with chronic conditions, it becomes very critical to go back to the vet to consult, um, you know, with, with the right professionals to get the correct, accurate diagnosis so that uh, we can treat the dog um, accurately, we can treat the dog, um, effectively. Um, and I think once you have the diagnosis, then you can always reach out to a canine nutrition consultant and get, um, expert support and recommendation on the diet to help the body heal and, uh, reduce overall inflammation in the body. Um, and so when we talk about very specifically managing acid reflux, um, it becomes very important to look at diet, to look at lifestyle, to look at overall habits and routines for the dog. Um, I know a lot of pet parents um, administer antacids quite regularly uh, to their dog when they're having these bouts of acid reflux. Um, and again, I would I would really approach that with caution, right? Um, I think that it's not, I mean, personally, if you ask me, and this is a very personal belief, um, if I'm seeing a certain pattern of behavior or if I'm seeing a certain pattern of, um, you know, symptoms repeatedly with my dog, I don't want to just keep throwing medication at that, right? I want to be able to identify the root cause and address the root cause because the key is not in suppressing or fixing the symptom. The key is in addressing the root cause. Um, And so, you know, if we find through that diagnosis that this is a condition that requires ongoing medication, um, then that's a very different conversation um, and, and and support for that looks very, very different. Uh, but in cases like these where we're noticing these bouts of reflux, I think it's again important for us to work with the right um, you know professionals with the right help to identify the root cause and really address the root cause there instead of just throwing medication um, as the solution. Um, which, again, is not really a long term solution without the proper diagnosis and and support um, from from your vet. Um, And so when we look at, you know, when we look at some of the things to sort of manage um, and consider, I would, you know, obviously first look at diet. And so I think it's really important to make sure that the dog is eating a fresh food diet that has variety, that has wholesome foods, that has a very nutrient rich and dense, um, uh, you know, ha- has has nutrient re- uh, nutrient rich and dense options. Um, uh, again, based on just uh, you know studies done on human beings with uh, with with acid reflux, uh, fatty meals, uh, you know. Um, food items that contain too much cholesterol, um, again, are, are, uh, can contribute to recurring bouts of acid reflux. And in the context of our dogs, um, that would really look at, uh, that would really be, you know, a very imbalanced, um, quantity of red meat in the diet or feeding the dog only red meat repeatedly, um, um you know not opting for leaner versions um and again with with red meats like pork and beef and buff and lamb um you you can opt for leaner options you can opt for certain parts Um, where uh, you're not going to get as much fat. Um, I think how much you cook the meat um, with the fat also makes a huge difference. How you trim the fat out, that also makes a huge difference. Um, And so, you know, those are definitely some things to keep in mind with the quality of protein, right? Which is really to opt for the leaner versions Uh, and not to say that you have to eliminate red meat unless absolutely needed. But again, this is really about balance. Um, And anything... Uh, in excess uh, can cause issues, can cause damage. Um, I think the other one to keep in mind is, again, uh, for some dogs, when the diet consists of extremely high GI glycemic index foods, that could make digestion really hard. Um, and that could also lead to food being in in the stomach for longer, um, which could then again slow down the process of digestion, um, and that could also lead to episodes of acid reflux. And so, in such cases, you know, switching to more digestible, low GI carbohydrates, uh, complex grains that can be more easily digested can be helpful. Um, but again, with diet, it's extremely uh, important to get um, an overall professional assessment, get the right support from a nutrition consult, um, and and know what you're feeding your dog, why you're feeding your dog, those ingredients, and most importantly, how much to feed uh, your dog. Um, that also becomes extremely important. Um, I think the other one, the other big um, I wouldn't call it like a debate, but I think like a difference of opinion often is whether to um, feed smaller and more frequent meals or whether to feed one big meal a day um, to the dog. And again, I know I know of professionals who advise either, um, but I think that it's important to remember that there is no set rule. um, And we can't get dogmatic about this because this does differ dog to dog. Um, And so, uh, you know, if your dog is the kind of dog who can thrive and do well, and when I talk about thrive, I, I, I mean can exist very comfortably on just one big meal a day, then maybe that's what works best for that dog. Uh, but then there are also dogs who benefit from smaller, more frequent meals. Um, and, you know, it's important to cater to each individual disposition, each unique disposition, and not forget that uh, when we are prescribing these recommendations. Um, and again, the key, I think, is, uh, you know, as, as soon as I said it, I think the key is to not be prescriptive, but to be, uh, to adapt to what the dog uh is sharing with us, the feedback that the dog is giving to us, that becomes really, really important as well. Um, and so even in, in my household alone, Luchi is a dog who is less who's able to thrive better. Um, and by thrive, I mean essentially, you know, minimal response to stress, um, just calmer. And just being able to sort of think better Uh, when she gets, um, you know, more frequent meals. Mutton, on the other hand, can pretty much do with one solid meal a day, uh, max to max two. Um, But she's able to sort of, you know, do well on that. And, And so you'll see that there are individual differences. And again, it's very important to account for those individual differences and incorporate the dog's feedback in the treatment plan as well. Um, the other one that, uh, is, is a helpful recommendation is the idea of raised bowls. And obviously this is used extensively in conditions when we are trying to avoid bloat. Um, but this could also be really helpful in, um, reducing the incidence of acid reflux episodes for dogs. The only caveat with raised bowls, however, is that finding the right height is key. It can't be too short or too tall for the dog to, um, reach, uh, because that alone can cause a lot of frustration and stress while the dog is eating. Um, and that does impact how the food is digested in the body. So again, finding the right height, um, is, is imperative. Um, The other recommendation that often gets thrown around a lot, which again, I think needs multiple caveats, is this idea of um, using slow feeders for dogs. Um, You know, they gobble food up really fast um, and, you know, could potentially have acid reflux. And so let's, you know, get them to eat in a slow feeder. Um, And again, I think there are several different things to sort of consider. Uh, with this recommendation um i think one is that dogs in general eat faster than human beings and so i think it's important to be very um you know real about what is the benchmark or standard or baseline that we're looking at for dogs right um uh, and so one is that right i think one is the fact that dogs anyway, eat faster. They are gobblers. Um, And so what are we really slowing down for them becomes very important to think about. Are we slowing down their natural way of eating or are we slowing down an exaggerated way of eating, right? Um, I've also noticed that slow feeders particularly can be a really frustrating um, and stressful option for dogs who demonstrate hyperactive behaviors around food. Um, and again, this in itself could cause um, you know, acid reflux episodes because um, the rate at which the acid is filling up in the stomach versus the rate of food coming in uh, is disproportionate right because that's what a slow feeder is supposed to do it is supposed to um, make accessing the food uh, a challenge right um and so for dogs with acid reflux i actually recommend free access to the food and what that means is we don't necessarily use a slow feeder um and so again i think you know, instead of using this as a blanket recommendation, I think it's important to chat with both your vet as well as a behavior consultant to find the right option for your dog. Um, and and so what you will see in some of these recommendations increasingly is um, a big, big piece of the puzzle is really uh, your dog's individual disposition and your dog's individual feedback. Um, that is very, very important as part of the treatment plan, because all of all of these treatment options have to be personalized to your dog as well. Um, I think the other one that I definitely want to talk about, and and that is is what I want to sort of really close this podcast with is the role of stress. Um, and, you know, I can talk about this is definitely a different podcast, uh, a more detailed podcast, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, the rela- the relationship between stress and digestion, uh, and appetite. Most importantly, um, uh, you know, we we know this because it we've experienced it as human beings as well, and there is enough and more scientific evidence for this. Uh, and this is also basic biology uh, that stress does disrupt the physiology of digestion. Right. Um, uh, again, it's important to remember that. Digestion is a parasympathetic nervous system activity. Um, And so, uh, you know, when we when we think about the autonomic nervous system, there are two branches, we have the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight and the parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest and digest mode right um and so digestion is a parasympathetic nervous system activity it happens when the body has slowed down when the body is calm if the body is in a state of stress or in a state of fight or flight digestion is halted because digestion requires a lot of energy digestion requires a lot of resources And when we are in a fight or flight state, um, there is all all of those resources, all of that energy is really redirected to our muscles because the aim in that state is really just to survive. And this is a very, very evolutionary, um, uh, you know, uh, it's just just evolution, right? So uh, digestion does not happen in a state of stress. And so if our dogs are continuously in a state of stress (coughs) because of either micro stressors or big events that happen, (coughs) so sorry about this, and digestion is going to be impacted. Um, And that's something for us to definitely think about, right? Um, (coughs) So sorry about this. and so something for us to think about is that if our dogs are in a constant state of stress either because of micro stressors or because they are experiencing stressful events um, then the physiology their physiology of digestion is severely impacted right which means that Even if they're eating the right diet, even if they're eating it at a right height, because of the stress that their body is experiencing, they are not going to be able to digest their food uh, effectively. And so that becomes something for us to definitely think about. Um, I think the other thing to think about is the fact that stress can significantly impact appetite. And in some cases, it does cause an increase in appetite, um, which is called hyperphagia. And that is, again, a very, very important aspect to consider, because what that means is that if our dog's bodies are stressed and they are experiencing hyperphagia, they are not getting enough quantity of food to calm their bodies down or to meet that appetite need, or they are not getting it uh, enough number of times through the day to meet that need for their appetite. And that could also cause episodes of acid reflux. Um, And so one of the things that often comes up in my behavior consults is when I see And a a big part of my behavior consult is actually this assessment of uh, stressors and overall lifestyle. And and with dogs specifically who struggle with acidity, um, I am able to very clearly see stressors that are contributing potentially to that. Um, And so, again, what that requires is not throwing antacids as a solution, but it does require um, a reassessment of the lifestyle. It does require reassessing the frequency and quantity of meals that we're giving the dog it does require helping the dog achieve a calmer state so that processes like digestion that require the body to relax can take place effectively Um, and so you can see how just with acid reflux we're seeing a very very holistic uh, view on how to help the dog. Um, I'm going to pause here because I did Uh, you know share an incredible amount of things with you Uh, but hopefully these were helpful hopefully you're walking away with something new something that could potentially uh, make you pause and go hey wait I never thought about that Um, and uh, if that has happened then just feel free to drop me um, a DM on social media channels or an email uh, letting me know what resonated with you about this podcast and what stayed with you um, and if you'd like to reach out for a nutrition or behavior consultation with me uh, then feel free to write in at Surabi at and I will be more than happy to help both your dog and you. Um, thank you so much for listening in and I look forward to coming back to you with another uh, podcast very soon.